Now hear the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And then he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out against a, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. And they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together, and Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent and made no answer. And again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, what further witness do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And 
they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and cover his face and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy! And the guards received him with blows. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus, but he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priest accused him of many things, and Pilate asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, Pilate used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak, and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, 
casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lima sabachthani, which means, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the Younger and Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that Jesus was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. The Passion of the Christ. Please be seated. Now my, the word, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength. You know, churches are sometimes characterized or maybe caricatured based on the part of the church year that they emphasize or perhaps even overemphasize. There are Christmas churches and Easter churches and Pentecost churches. All of these are good and faithful churches, and we need all of them to draw us back 
to the fullness of the church as we celebrate the entirety of the church year. Unfortunately, many of us desire a Palm Sunday kind of church. A church that proclaims a worldly, the worldly glory of Jesus without the suffering of the cross. We resist a faith that calls us to the difficult and painful yielding of self to the will of God. We resist healing. We resist transformation. We tame the cross. We glory in the beauty of the cross and ignore the suffering and death inherent to this instrument of torture and terror. Let's look a little closer at our readings of the triumphal entry and the passion. We see in the course of a week, the same people who cheer Jesus with palm branches and hosannas shout in disappointment and rage, crucify him. There are many unhealthy and unhelpful ways that we might describe them. This fickle crowd that shifts so easily from praise to condemnation. But the difficult truth is this. They are us. If we're honest, we're not too different from the crowds in Jerusalem. We too often cheer a Messiah of our own making. We want a king for people like us. A king who brings justice, that kind of shallow justice that rewards us and punishes them. We don't re really want change or transformation. We really want the status quo, but with a higher status for ourselves. And when the true Messiah disappoints us, we betray, deny, and desert him. We call upon the brutal, broken, but familiar powers of the status quo to crucify him. We hear the mocking voice pointing to the beaten and bruised man of sorrow saying, Behold your king! And we respond, We have no king but Caesar. See, we want to skip from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday and avoid the brutality of Good Friday and the deep sorrow Holy Saturday. We want to move from the glorious cheers for King Jesus, the son of David, returning to rule in Jerusalem, to the glory of the resurrection. We want to skip the betrayal, humiliation, and suffering and death of Holy Week. If we're truly honest, we want to see the cross as an object of art, beautifully and prominently displayed without considering it as an object of cruelty, torture, and humiliation. Given the choice, we would prefer to be a Palm Sunday people. Fortunately for us, our prayer book and liturgy will not allow it. We were reminded in the middle of our glorious procession that Jesus went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain and entered not into glory before he was crucified. We're reminded that his crown was a crown of thorns and his throne a cross. We're reminded that the way of life and peace is the way of the cross. As we listen to our gospel and we hear both the triumphal entry and the passion of our Lord, 
we hear the culmination of Mark's thematic revelation of Jesus as the son of David, the son of man, and finally, as the son of God. If we're tempted to separate the world into us and them, in and out, Mark jars us back to kingdom reality. It is the centurion, the Roman oppressor, the one who presided over the crucifixion, who recognizes the truth and testifies that Jesus truly is the Son of God. Then, as we come to the table today and each week, we echo the cries, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we remember with the sign of the cross that the way of Christ is indeed the way of the cross. And as we walk together this holy week, celebrating the institution of the Lord's Supper and the command to love and serve one another on Monday, Thursday, and walking together the stations of the cross on Good Friday, we are reminded of the call, that the call to follow Christ is the call to take up our cross and follow him. We're reminded of the invitation to sanctify our suffering. We learn to pray with Christ in Gethsemane. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup of suffering from me, yet not what I will but what you will. In Holy Week, we learn to see the suffering of Christ as God with us, Emmanuel in the midst of our pain. It is here in Holy Week that we learn to walk out our baptism, our baptism into the crucifixion of Jesus so that we may be raised with him in the glory of his resurrection. Friends, we live in a Good Friday kind of world. A world that exalts the vanity of Caesar and abhors the humility of Christ. A world that proclaims the glorification of self <coughs> and rejects Christ's call to sacrificial love. A world that encourages us to cultivate a fragile bubble to keep out all the pain and suffering of the world. We want to prevent the world around us and the world within us from disturbing our carefully crafted illusion that it's okay. And as we stand here in our Good Friday world, it's tempting to look back and try to retrieve the glory of Palm Sunday, to succumb to the siren call of a golden age of the church or a golden age of our nation a vision of good times that never really were. It's tempting to hail a Messiah of our own making, our own will, and our own desire. It is tempting, but the true Christ calls us not to look backward, but to look forward, to fix our eyes on the glory of the Father, even in the messiness and chaos of our life. We are called to walk with Christ through our trials and our suffering, confident in the love of God and hopeful of the glory of the resurrection. We are called to be an Easter people in a Good Friday world, walking 
forever in the name of the Father and the Son.